Hello and welcome to the first episode of Sharp Stats. It's Talking Yanks. It's myself, Jimmy. It's Jake. It's Katie, the queen of stats. Sharp. Welcome back, Katie. Very excited to have you. We don't have the uh, intro music from last year. That's going to be a no-go as we've grown. And Ubach, that's, uh, you got some work. About as copyright as it can get, which is sad. <laughs> Just a nice guitar riff for today. Katie, how are you doing? I am. I'm doing great. I wish. I wish baseball was in a little bit of a better state. But um, I'll take any games I can get right now. Any any real live baseball games is awesome. Man, it's kind of put everything in a funk. Us here, Jake and I, spend our day in the Roosevelt Studio here in the Bronx, RSVLTS, mm-hmm. and yeah, the last two days it's just like a mo- it's like a drain of emotion. We're like so excited to do the shows we did Sunday night. And, uh, yeah, it's tough, but I am excited to have you back. I think, you know, we had tons of requests. Sharp Stats coming back. Is Sharp Stats coming back? Of course it's coming back. Yeah. we got to educate the fan base. we got to educate ourselves. Yeah, educate <laughs> and, ourselves. And that, too. Yeah, yeah my, my, goal, my goal is to make this a math pod. Come on. Oh, let's go. No, math no, pod. No, no. Math pod. That's, that's <laughs> math pod. Early math pod chat. Just that's never That's never been Just seen. Kidding. Katie, I was trying to... Well, A, I was trying to get some likes by throwing your name out there, but I also was trying to come up with some nicknames for you. I got Sultana of of Stats, the Arbiter of Analytics, the Woman of Woba. Do do we like any of those? Wait, what was that last one? I couldn't. The, the woman. Of, the Woman of Woba. Loba. Woba. Oh, woman yeah. of Woba. Oh, okay, I didn't get the W part there. Um. I think uh, I think we should make a call out to the uh, to the audience. Okay, let's All make right. a call out to the fans to give me a nickname. I mean, the, it, I mean, it, it'll always be the queen of stats. But when you're a star, yeah. you gotta have a few nicknames. You know, you gotta you gotta mix in the kid, the Millville Meteor, different things. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm all about multiple multiple nicknames. Definitely. All right. Good, Katie. When you very first came on the show back in 2018 as a guest, we asked you what your favorite stat was, and you said Woba. And I didn't even know. Oh, I kind of knew what it was. I didn't know exactly. I kind of like was like, eh, I don't know. Now I like Woba. Is that still your favorite Ooh. stat? It's two years. Things move fast in the stat world. How, do you like barrels better now? What do you What are you liking? It, that was kind of before Statcast took off. I mean, that was the probably the first or second year of Statcast. So I really wasn't into into that. I don't know. Um, I'm sort of getting into this. Uh, into like spin rate and effective spin. Mm. That's that's going to be a new topic this year. I think we might have to delve into that a little bit. Um, okay. But just a quick hit: effective spin and spin rate uh, for pitchers. We had uh, Trevor, who does talking baseball with us. Let it, he he was talking to pitchers, and and you know he found that they don't really look at spin rate; they look at spin efficiency, which I guess is yeah, that's spin. that's effective spin. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's, so that's much more cool. important. Well, I don't know yeah. if that's going to come into play with our first category here, but we're talking about a pitcher right off the bat. It's a conversation. It's James Paxton. It's his velo looking down. It's his arm slot looking a little different. Uh, Katie went into the numbers. You went into the databases. You found some information for us. What did you find on James Paxton? How worried should we be? Well, I just kind of want to just preface this. You know, this is obviously, it's the first week of the season. It's an overreaction pod, right? Yes. You know, yes. all that stuff. So I don't usually overreact to just one game. You know, this is just one game. He had like 
less than two innings. It was an inning, and then you didn't even get it out in the second inning. Um, but just considering the circumstances around what happened, I think you have to be some, a little bit concerned. It's something I would say it's a thing to watch. It's not like panic mode. You're not hitting the red panic button yet. Um, but given the fact that Paxton A was coming off injury, an injury, he had, I mean, he had back surgery. That's, that's nothing. I mean, you know, that's not like a, a little, like, you know, arthroscopic knee scope or thing, you know, you're back right. in a week or two. Um, he had serious back, he had serious back surgery. He also had for some, you know, just because of, I guess it was rainouts and some scheduling stuff. He had no interest squad or exhibition starts. He only did sim games. And I remember when you guys were kind of discussing that on the pod at that time, just wondering why. And it actually was, I think, because there was a rainout when mm-hmm. he was supposed to actually have an intra squad game or an exhibition. Um, so he didn't really get to face any, like, I would say live batters in terms of other people besides the Yankees, even. Um, or just, you know, a game where people were running around the bases normally. Um, so that is kind of the circumstances that I would say, you know, it just it gives me a little bit of worry. And, um, you know, I just kind of want to get the number. We'll, we'll just start with the numbers right here because they are really concerning. And if you guys were following along during the game on, uh, on Saturday, you saw me tweet this out in the first inning because it was something I was looking for. Um, because earlier in the uh, in, during summer camp, he had mentioned that, you know, he had not quite gotten back to the velocity they had wanted to. And, you know, even in summer camp, he was sitting 91, 92, 93, and people were like, oh, just don't worry, you know, when the adrenaline comes, it'll ramp up and it'll be fine. Um, but clearly, that was not the case. So what he did, he, he averaged 92.4 miles per hour on his four-seam fastball. He hit 93.8. Last year, his average was 95.7. So that's a drop of you know, more than three miles per hour, and he hit 100. So basically, his max, I said, was 93.8. Last year, 88% of the pitches he threw were over 94 miles per hour. He didn't even hit that on Saturday. So this is not just, oh, his fastball is down a few ticks. It's, you know, first start of the season, or it's the first inning of the first start. This is serious. This is definitely, like, something was wrong. Um, And he admitted it. 88% of his fastballs were higher than the max he did last year. Than his highest fastball in the start. And and again, we'll say it again. This is an overreaction thing. We're diving into one start. It's all we have to dive into right now. But they did say his velocity's been down. It's not like he said, well, in in camp, my last outing, I was hitting 96. So, you know, this is just a one-off. Like, this is something that's going on, and it's probably tied to the surgery. That's crazy that... That's crazy. That makes it sound worse than I, you know, because when you say the average is 92.4 and last year was 95, you can be like, all right, that's three miles per hour. That doesn't sound like crazy. But when you put it the way you just did, 88% of his pitches were higher than his fastest pitch. That's that's a, a jarring way to put it. Yeah, and I mean, he mentioned that too. And he also, the thing that really struck out to me was he mentioned that he just didn't have quite his mechanics right. And I think that that's easily explained by the surgery. You know, if yeah. he is didn't have the proper ramp up for a season in that he is probably compensating for something um, with the surgery and it, he says he's not, he doesn't have any pain, but it's, but there is some, some sort of mechanical issue that he's dealing with, which is on in one sense a positive because mechanics can be fixed, whereas pain, you know, obviously mm. that's 
injury. But um, but another thing with the mechanics is you can definitely see it. I mean, his arm slot was his release point, his vertical release point was about six inches lower across the board on all of his pitches, and that is a big deal. Six inches is not just um, you know an inch or two, or maybe he's had like a, you know, he was a little bit tight or something when he was throwing six inches. That doesn't happen normally. That's way out of the range. Um, so that is definitely something that you have, that we have to look at. And you could, I mean, it was so obvious that you could see it on the, on the, um, on the telecast, you know, without any slow motion, basically, you could see that he just, he couldn't get that extension. Um, and that, you know, that, the you know the the length that he needed in order to to get his his pitches in the right place. Yeah, um, so you that saw, is the, that's really was, concerning for me. There was a lot of couch Twitter pitching coaches coming out of the woodwork during packs and start, and unfortunately, they were kind of right. Is are are you surprised? Because I know you know when you start putting this all together, it makes a lot of sense. He's coming off a pretty serious injury. He didn't have a full spring training. I guess the one part that's surprising to me with with all of that information is, you know, the Yankees have been with it analytically for a while. When we're at spring training, we see all the Rapsodo machines and everything they have. Are, are you surprised that with his release point so different that they would even, like, let him out there, I guess? Is that a weird way to put it? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I was a little bit skeptical of the fact that they let this go on for the entire Summer camp. I mean, summer camp was only three weeks, but it's not like this just popped up. He was. He mentioned this um, at the beginning of summer camp, and uh, you know he felt that. Um, he also said that he felt that his fastball velocity was was down ever since since he started um, the rehab back in mid February. He mentioned that in one of his uh, in one of his press conferences, and the fact that they had not sort of addressed this um, was really concerning and. You know, on one hand, you would think that he would have enough time to 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 kind of ramp back up after the surgery. It was been more than you know, it's been almost five months now, and I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how long it takes or whatever to come back from this type of type of injury. But um, you know, the fact that he's still struggling with his mechanics, his velocity is still down. Uh, is just it's it's definitely something. Like I said, it's something to watch. Um, and the reason that I think that it is mostly the velocity is mostly is a real concern for me is because the difference in his fastball between being, um, you know, a 95, 96, 97 and a 91, 92, 93 is is really dramatic. And it, it makes sense. Obviously, it's kind of intuitive. You know, the slower fastball is easier to hit. But for some guys, it's, you know, you know, you, you have like a Kyle Hendricks. He throws 89, 90 his fastball and he does fine because of the movement and the mix in the pitches. Paxton's not quite like that. You know, he relies on this fastball to kind of, you know, this high fastball up in the zone that he's just going to blow by hitters. And that's what he has, that's been his repertoire so far. So I just, I, I looked at some numbers from last year looking at the results on his fastball when it's 95 or above. So basically average or, oops, oh, hey, there we go, microphone. Um, <laughs> live podcast um either <laughs> average either you know 95 or above the results on that and when it was below 95 and that's kind of what we're looking at now and let me let me see I pull it up yeah so 95 and above 
he had a uh, 13.8% whiff rate, so about 14% whiffs on those pitches, and a 448 slugging, which is, you know, that's that's pretty good for a fastball. Um, when it was below 90, it was 94 or below, his whiff rate dropped to 9.5%, so a drop of about more than 4%, about 5%, and his slugging was 595 against, so 600. So if you think that, that's that's bad, that is not going to get you through a start, um, and that's exactly what happened to him on uh, on on Saturday. Um, so he really he really needs that fastball to be in the high to, in the uh, mid to upper in the mid to upper nineties uh, in order to uh, to be an effective pitcher. The arm slot thing's weird to me. Like, do we think that's just mechanics? Does that does does that an, is that a simple fix? You know, I actually. Jake, you talk about sitting on the couch and playing pitching mm-hmm. coach. I went and downloaded the game footage from the playoffs and then synced it up with the game footage from this game and overlaid his body to see if the arm slot was different, and it was, but the camera angles were a little off, and it and the video didn't look that much different, so I didn't post it. I just kind of scrapped it. But your numbers say it was off, and you know, a lot of people said it was off. Um, fastball pitcher without a fastball. I don't know. Seems not great. Not ideal. Yeah, what, not not good. What were the slugging numbers again, Katie? It was uh so it was 448 for uh, 95 and above. Um and then 595 for 94 and below. So, yeah, yeah just last just year. just trying to bring that into perspective for people. I'm I'm trying to find the best car- comparison. So 450 I mean, I was looking at 2017 because I thought Judge Judge's slugging was 627, which the fact we're approaching that range is crazy. crazy um, yeah. The the uh, the 595 slugging would have been easily the best on the Yankees last year, um, like by far. So picture all the guys on the Yankees, and then you know uh, I'm trying to see who else. I guess Didi in in his contract year yeah. when he kind of struggled last year, you know, he had a 238 batting average. He still had a little bit of pop, but his slugging was 441. So, um the yeah. the difference is significant. It's, you know, almost an MVP caliber player to uh, a league average caliber player. Not good. Not good. So, one more start. What should everyone be focusing on? Obviously the miles per hour. Arm slot. Arm slot? I think arm slot miles per hour. Um, and I think also I would say how much he goes to his fastball. Um, does mm. he have confidence in it? Um, because we do – I mean, his curveball was fine. Obviously, the, the arm – you know, the, the mechanics. I was going to ask, were, how were his other pitches? Were they okay? Like, if the fastball was 94, would his other pitches have been great? Or did they get exposed because the fastball's not there? I mean, they just got – they got pretty much – I mean, he had, I think – he gave up five hits, right? Three of the hits were off of a fastball. One was off a cutter. Um, another was off a curveball. His, the, I mean, it, it was too small of a sample, I think, to tell about the curve. I think he threw nine of them or something like that. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised he threw. I mean, the cutter probably was more. I don't know. I don't really. He's not really known for his cutter. I think that was trying to just mix up the speeds. But maybe you know, if he's not confident in his, um, in his force army. In his four-seamer, he goes to the cutter more often uh, next start. Um, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see, but he's <laughs> he's definitely going to be in the spotlight. That's for sure. I know. He's not going to be able to hide. First uh, first big Matt Blake test. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First. Matt Blake. 
I'm I'm leaning that arm slap because that's like Katie said, you you delivered it perfectly. I mean, that's correctable. That's not Tangible. an injury necess- necessarily. Like, I wonder because that's going to tell me, you know, if it's- if we can pick up on that from our couch as fans, Matt Blake can pick up on yeah. that. And something in the throwing days, they should be able to at least improve upon it. If not, that makes me think it's very related to the injury, and that makes me worrisome. Yeah, yeah. if it's if it's not fixable. You know, that means it's an injury, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen already that, you know, one injury is can just knock a guy out for pretty much most of the season. I mean, we've already seen Justin Verlander. Um, you know, we've seen Corey Kluber come out. Um, high pitchers like, you know, pitchers like that that have been, you know, Verlander has been so durable in the past. But I think it, it, this, uh, this short summer camp and this weird season is just, it's really going to mess with pitchers. So I think that we need to be extra careful here. And I guess, is that the positive spin that, you know, he hasn't had a lot of push and the Yankees have been very conservative with their pitchers, so maybe, you know, he was saying the adrenaline should kick in, blah, blah, blah. Maybe this is the, all right, we need to find the slot, we need to push it a little further because otherwise we're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, the, the it, it gets into a weird place where should they not have just penciled him as the two? Right. When you have Clark Schmidt and these other guys early <laughs> in the year, Monty got sent down. Like, it seems like if, how could they not have known about this? I don't know. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a little bit concerning um, that they let him go out there knowing, I mean, they had probably, they had to have seen um, what his mechanics looked like. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's turn it into a fun conversation. Yes. Jake's doppelganger. Yes. We're moving on to the speed of the game. Tyler Wade, we saw in game one, we saw him really take over a couple innings with his speed. Like He goes first to home on a double that didn't even reach the wall, or did it? No, I think it got cut off. First to home on a ball that didn't reach the wall is crazy. Um, And then, you know, he lays down the bunt. They don't get the out because they're rushing the play because he's so fast. What's Tyler Wade going to do for us this year, or what can be game-changing about his speed? It's just something different we haven't seen in a while. So what do you got on Wade? Yeah, I think that this Wade is going to be a real, really huge asset for the team, I think, this year. Um, just because of the circumstances with, you know, the extra inning rule, we can get into that a little bit. And just the ability for him to play multiple positions, his versatility, um, where he can be a defensive replacement, and then he can be sort of that – that pinch runner, but without being, you know, a, a pinch runner, he can also be a defensive replacement. Um, so I just let's just put some numbers to what his speed really means to this team, and just even in a small sample, how incredible how, how incredible he is, and how he can change the game. So last year, he actually had the highest sprint speed on the team, um, which is uh, pretty impressive considering Bar- Brett Gardner is also on the team. Obviously, you know, smaller sample. He did have the second fastest. Um, home to first on the team, just behind uh, Gardner, and just yeah, and considering so he had Gardy still has him beat. What? Oh man, I wonder. I wonder if that's known in the clubhouse. I I think it's hilarious. Gardner still has him beat. I mean, I hope Gardner's talking shit every second he can get. Oh, he's got to (laughs) be faster than anyone. You're faster than everyone in this room, Wade. That's me. It's not the old man. <laughs> That's and good. And I am ten years your senior. That's good. Okay. No. Um, I can see that there. I can see there being some sort of like you know, uh, 
wrestling belt, you know, that gets passed around. Gardner's just got that hanging in his uh, permanently in his locker. Just Always. wears a pin, fastest guy in the team. <laughs> just like walks around showing. This guy to first. That's good. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, so just a couple more things to kind of put into perspective how fast he is. So uh, Fangraphs has a, a base running statistic, and it's kind of what they used for their uh, their war statistic gets in- incorporated into that, and so it's a counting stat. And it's basically all-encompassing. It includes, like, stolen bases, caught stealings, double, you know, avoiding double plays, taking extra bases, being thrown out on the bases, type, some things like that. And it's, uh, it's converted into a runs above and below average number. So if you kind of put that into – think about that context. So Wade, who had the 16th most plate appearances on the team, so in terms of his playing time, he actually had the second most uh, base running runs, according to Fangraphs. Behind Gardner, obviously had quite a few more, but that is, that was pretty mar- remarkable. Mm. And I looked at, um, I, so I wanted to look at what it was basically, just kind of put him on the same level playing field as as everyone else in Major League Baseball. So I looked at it per 600 plate appearances, what his number would prorate out to. And if you looked at all the players in Major League Baseball last year who had at least 100 plate appearances, he had the highest base running runs if you prorated it out to uh, 600 plate appearances, it was 13.9, 14 runs <laughs> um, that he would wow. have contributed with his legs on a prorated basis, you know, looking out of over 600 plate appearances, which is, a rem- which is just like insane considering Gardner, who I think probably got about 500 last year plate appearances or whatever. He led the team with 4.5. Wow. What? So. <laughs> so, it, but that's the thing, I think, is that I think it's going to prorate out higher than that. So if I can just reiterate this, because I know that we're very smart people here, but if you prorate how many runs Tyler Wade will score on base running, not like, like if he hits a home run, that's right. not it. If he played a full season, you're saying he would score 14 runs on base running. Gardner scores four? Yeah, so 4. it's 5? not score. It's more like it's more like the value. It's like contributing to fourteen runs. Okay. So he doesn't oh, okay. Have, you know, yeah. So right, like not literally he'd score the runs, but he would contribute to fourteen runs. And if you if you know the the math is that one win for a team is equal to about ten runs. So ten runs of ten ten runs is about equal to one win. So just with his legs, uh, Tyler Wade would have contributed about a win and a half to that team, which is very, that's very impressive. Um, so just to, to kind of put into perspective what his value on this team can be, uh, I think that that is, uh, that's a pretty good number to look at. Katie, I'm glad you brought it to the national level because everything you're building up there is is funny because it's it's the guys we see, like, Brett Gardner and Tyler Wade are the fastest guys we see on a regular basis. So you wonder how that looks in the scale of the league, especially when we just watched a guy like Trey Turner on the Nationals who also has game-changing speed himself. How, um, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of speedsters in the game. I, I know you know this might leave the talking Yanks realm a little bit. The, the guys I think of are like Adalberto Mondesi, I think even Trey Turner. Do those guys... Do all the speed guys rank well, or does base running the skill itself become more of a factor? I, I, I'm just I'm trying to get more of a league wide perspective on it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... They, they, all those guys rate pretty well. Um, okay. You know, you look at, like, Buxton and, and, and those types of guys. It's just because, you know, speed is, is a lot of it. I mean, s- stolen bases can add, a lot of, can add a lot of value if you don't get caught type of thing. Um, avoiding double plays, that helps a lot. Um, like, last year, Tyler Wade, no zero, he grounded into zero double plays. There were 20 time, 21 times he came up to the plate with an, you know, like with a man on first and less than two outs or something, you know, whatever the, uh, the opportunity mm. is. And none of those times he grounded into a double play. Um, and it's also like last year he took an extra base 83% of the time. So 83% of the time that there was a chance for him to take an extra base, he took it. And 40% is about the league average. So that's twice as good as the league average. Um, and obviously last year he was uh, seven for seven in stolen bases. So the, if you put all those things together, he is doing everything right. Um, so I think that that, you know, like, obviously there are some guys that are really fast that are dumb, that are just going to, and that that is reflected in these base stealing numbers and in, in, in the base running metrics. So I think it's, uh, it's one of my, you know, if you're going to look at base running, I think that's what the best thing that you can do is not just look at steals. You got to look at the other ways that they contribute. Because a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, who is not, you don't think of him as a burner, but he actually rates very well in base running because he's so smart. Oh, that's awesome. How do people, where and, and how do people find these on their own? So Fangraphs has a, uh, has a base running statistic, um, and you can find that. It's basically on any player page on their dashboard, which is like the first thing that you see when you pull up a player page on, uh, on Fangraphs, and it is the acronym is BSR. BSR. So it's, it's pretty obvious. You can see it there. Um, it's one of the columns. And, um, yeah, that's where I would suggest if you kind of want to look at um, base running. And they go into – you can click on the glossary there, and they go into a little bit de- in depth of how they break that down in terms of, you know, what contributes to the value, to the, to the statistics. So I encourage everybody, if they, if they want to learn a, bit, a little bit more, um, just go to Fangraphs, and, and you can find everything there. And I, I think what might be interesting about this, because now I'm trying to put it in, you know, Tyler Wade Yankees culture, which uh, – that might have to become my profile on Twitter. But, you know, Tyler, as if you're a Yankee fan, you know, you've seen him come up. There was the whole, you know, Ben Zobrist, utility knife. He was supposed to become that in his kind of cup of coffees with the Yankees. He had struggled to hit until that last final stretch last year, which was nice. But because of his struggles early, uh, and I think any ball player admits this, like when you're not contributing with the bat, you try to do anything else you're trying to take extra bases you're trying to make great plays in the field and Tyler did a really good job of that and I think it's it might be interesting that it all culminates this year when they were adding the extra roster spot anyways we have the extra inning rule in play now where we thought Tyler would be a factor that he what he has done in these past years and maybe even compensating for his his lack of hitting early on in his career could become a huge benefit benefactor to this current Yankee ball club. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, I think he's made what he has done really is he's made himself valuable. You know, it's yeah. kind of like the same thing with Andujar. He made himself valuable because he learned first base. He learned how to play left field. He learned how to play right field. Um, and Tyler Wade did the same thing. He didn't necessarily learn how to 
you know, take the extra pace, but he just showed them that he has the capability to do that when given the chance. And I think that one thing that is really important is especially the extra inning rule, because that's a free chance for him to show off his speed um, and to show off what he can do. And one thing that really kind of stuck out for me is I mentioned he was seven for seven in stolen bases last year, and three of those seven stolen bases were of third base. And that is going to be, I mean, stealing third is different than stealing second. And if you have the instincts to be able to steal third, that is going to really help in the, um, in the extra inning rule. Uh, and just, I looked at the numbers of um, kind of the, the chances of scoring at least one run in an inning based on the different states. Um, so like first base, you guy on first, one out, guy on first, no outs, guy on second, no, you know, whatever. Um, those are called the, the base out states. So when you start off, you have the, uh, the, man on, the man on second, zero outs, right? So the team actually has a 60, 61% chance of scoring at least one run in that inning from that point on. Um, so that's kind of the baseline number. If you can steal third on that first, in that first, um, when that first batter is up, that percentage jumps to 83%. So a man on third, zero outs, 83% of the time, at least one run is scored in that inning. That is a huge jump, and that is a huge benefit. Um, and I think that, you know, we'll see how much the Yankees use it because it, it is pretty risky. Um, we mentioned, As you guys mentioned, I think, on uh, pod last pod or one of the pods before, is you never want to make the first out or the third out at third base. Um, but if they have confidence in Tyler Wade to get it done, I think that that is absolutely going to be a good strategy for them. Yeah. I also, I mean, that is awesome. And it's crazy that you score 60% of the time. I guess that's why they implemented it to yeah. end games. I mean, that might kill his playing time if they want him out there. And then also depends on who makes the last out. I'm very interested to get there when we get there and see how they handle it. The one thing that I want to just say about his prorated base, what was the stat? Base? Base running runs, you can call it. Base running what? Base, base running runs. Base, base running runs? Base running runs, yeah. Is that right now when Wade is in the game? His on the base paths, he's like, I better contribute because it's my only way to stick around. Whereas if he was to actually play a full season, they'd probably be like, right. Wait, 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 wait! You're our everyday player. Yeah, Come I'm down. not, I'm not saying that. I'm not no. saying if he played 600, if he got 600 plate appearances, he's he going to contribute 14. You know? No, no, I, I know. I was just for anyone that might have been thinking it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, I, I think where the Tyler Wade uh, stolen base and stealing third base stat comes in. More importantly for me is that we kind of went through the Yankees lineup and we were kind of trying to find where you draw the line in the sand for who would be bunting. And, you know, it started getting interested kind of in the Gio Urshela range and we actually saw during the summer camp he was on the side bunting and I was like, ah, so Gio might be the line for bunting. I think what's going to be interesting is, you know, say whoever makes the last out in the inning and they, they do want to get Tyler Wade out there. Uh, I, they're gonna let the big guys swing, right? Like I, you know, we don't have to do a full, full dive into that. But they're gonna let Judge swing. They're gonna let Stanton swing. I'd assume they're gonna let Gary swing. Uh, and I think that becomes interesting because, like we're saying, with the first and third out, maybe you let them swing and you hope for the big inning. But if those guys do make the first out, then I think the chance of Tyler stealing third, that the the Yankees percentage jumps up a lot there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would definitely want to take my chances 
with Wade or I mean with uh with Judge or Sanchez at the plate or Stanton or something like that trying to get the get the run in um uh, because you know they can do it with one with one swing of the bat right and just a a, a hard ball hit into the gap Wade is going to score from from second easily easily and we saw him score from first <laughs> yeah. on, a, on a ball yeah. like that um so yeah anybody like that um I think he especially with you know, if he's the first batter, just give yourself a chance. And then maybe you get a little bit desperate if there's one out. Um, and then with two outs, it, it does become a little bit of a different chance because you certainly don't want to get thrown out at third no. um, to make the la- the final out, um, especially if you have somebody like, you know, a judge or a, a Gary at the plate. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in their strategy when it comes to extra innings, how they handle it. I have some breaking news for the two of you. Breaking news. Cole will start tomorrow's game against the Orioles. Look at that. And according to our old friends at River Ave Blues, friends, I don't know why I said old friends, Cole will be the first Yankee to start two of four games since Mike Messina and Kevin Brown during the Tokyo trip of 2004. How about that? And then, and then Hap will start Thursday. Then Tanaka and Monty start this wow. weekend. Oh, it's coming together. So they're giving Paxton an extended rest then, I guess yeah. that means. Mm. Mm. Or so they're giving him more time to figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, I don't like Hap. Don't like Hap getting his first start in Camden against the Orioles, who bash lefties pretty good, but that's another thing. Uh, Katie, I wanted to ask you, because you're a, a baseball purist at heart, maybe. Um, does the extra inning rule drive you wild? Are you okay with it for the year? Where are you at with it? Um, I'm okay with it for this year. I would hate it in a regular year, just because, like, I mean, like everyone has said, you know, most of the people, it's not real baseball. It's just it's fake baseball, and it's it's sort of you know it's it's a good idea for this year when you don't want to have guys out there for 16, 17, 18 innings, um, and then come back and play it at noon the next day. So I'm I'm fine with it this year. I'm fine with anything for this year, pretty much. <laughs> any, um, that's so, going to help us get baseball. through the season. Um, so, uh, but I would I would be really upset if they put it into a regular season and made it a a real rule. I think we might that might be a shirt. I'm fine with anything for this year. Just baseball. Uh, <laughs> Just I, baseball. I, Katie, I've been saying this on talking baseball. Maybe I said it on the last episode talking Yanks. I forget. I do think it's coming. But not in the tenth inning. I think they're going to do it in the twelfth or the thirteenth. Yeah. I might. I mean, I might be with okay with something in the later innings, like a, yeah. once it gets to thirteen or fourteen, because you know I, I kind of hate those games as yeah. much as I got. I got do. stats for um, you on it too. Uh oh. Eighty percent of extra inning games end uh, before the twelfth inning finishes. So as long as they give us like three extra inning games, I'm fine with anything after that. Seems like you're not going to cut out a lot. And, you know, the 15, the 16 in games, while a novelty and you you do get the update, they're in the 16th inning, oh, wow, that's cool. But then you see it's a position player pitching and it's just guys swinging for yeah. the fences and and then your bullpen's hurt the next day. I, I'm fine with them limiting that. But give us two or three innings of real extra innings. The real baseball. That's my yeah. thing. Yeah. Well... The other, thing, yeah, the other thing that's changing about the season, our third topic of the day, is the expanded playoffs. The top two teams in each division will automatically go to the playoffs. They both get a three-game set, uh, and then there's a wild card from 
the division or the league, the, ten, the next two, after the top two of each division, the next two, how much does this change, Katie? Do you have numbers that show us, you know, just I think you said something about the parity of it. I mean, it, it's going to be different. The season went from uh, very nervous Yankees better getting first place. Otherwise, it's a one-game wild card to, uh, I mean, first and second. Don't kill yourselves. You're both getting the same thing there. Yeah, I'm, I'll just put this right out there at the front. I'm not a really big fan of this either. Um, just because a couple things. First of all, you don't. there's no real advantage to winning the division anymore, right? Because you can still get a home team. You can still get a home, um, you know, playoff series if you're in second place, if you're just, because they're going to seed it um, one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, one, two, three for the first teams and then two, four, five, six. So if you're one of the, if you're the if you're the best second place team, you still get a home playoff seems. And that is probably, you know, if the Yankees do end up in second place, there's a really good chance that they're going to be the second they're going to be the best second place team considering the strength of the division um, in the in the East. So I'm I'm just I'm not a big fan of that. Um, and also the fact that they have to play a three game series just to advance. Um, and as we know, anything can happen in a three game series, uh, even with you know, the disparity. I mean, if you, I was looking at this for the first series of the season, so this first weekend, according to Fangraphs, so the Fangraphs has playoff odds, right, that they put out in the pre, right before the season started. The teams with the three of the four lowest projected win totals, so basically three of the four worst projected teams, all won their opening series. It was the Tigers, the Orioles, and the Marlins. And, I mean, they didn't, beat great team I mean the Tigers beat the Reds the Reds were supposed to be good um you know they have all this hype the Orioles of course we know beat the Red Sox who that may happen again um and then uh the Marlins beat the Phillies who were you know not supposed to be a great team but were supposed to contend for a wild card um in the NL probably you know obviously still are but but as you can see anything can happen in a three-game series um so you know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more advantage given to the home team and to the team that has the better seed. Um, I think in Korea, what they do is actually the team with the better seed, the higher pl- the higher seeded team. Actually, it's a best of three series, but they only have to win one game, and the other te- the other team has to win you know two or th- two two games in a row. So they have it basically start off at a deficit. They basically start off down 1-0. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of an interesting concept. I would like, maybe, you know, that would be kind of cool for major league baseball to, uh, to put that in. Um, but I, yeah, like I said, not a really big fan of this. you got more than half the teams are going to be in the playoffs. It just, it doesn't seem right. Um, but yeah, I will, I'll first, I'll put, so I'll put some numbers to it. Um, let me just think about what the best way to present this is. So I think that right now, if we look at the, uh, the playoff odds, I mean, the Yankees still have, with the change, obviously what happens is the playoff odds go up for every team dramatically, right? So before they implemented this new playoffs, um, the Yankees were at about 70, 72%, 73% to make the playoffs, which is you know, still high, and about 48% to win the division and about 11% to win the World Series. So with the new playoffs in the preseason, that jumped, the playoff odds jumped all the way up to 91% and basically a lock. Whereas then the division odds kind of just stayed the same at about 40 and the 
you know, the, the World Series odds dropped a little bit to 10%. So basically all it does is it just pushes everybody's playoff odds up a ton. Um, and it actually hurts the best teams just a little bit in terms of their, their World Series odds um, because everything's compressed and, you know, anything can happen when there's more teams in a, in a postseason um, uh, format, a, a, a larger postseason format. Um, so it's just, it's just, it's just, it's going to be crazy. Um, and I looked at what happened. I looked at some of the numbers. So before with 162 games, mm-hmm. 17 of the 30 teams in major league baseball had at least a 20% chance of making the playoffs. So one in five, you know, that's pretty good. So 17 teams with this new format and the 60 game schedule, 23 of 30 teams now have at least a 20% chance of making the playoffs. That's, that's, that's more than, I think my math's correct. That's more than like two thirds, right? Jake will confirm um, the math. We're a math pod. That's more than two thirds. Okay. Maybe. Good. Thanks. Um, so I think, you know, basically unless you're the Orioles, everyone's in it this year kind of thing. And, and who knows? I mean, the Orioles, Hey, Hey, they were in first place, right? They were in first place for, for a day. I think took, um, took, took those Red Sox pictures for a ride. <laughs> And yeah, so yeah, I, I was on a pretty big because I, I did want them to expand for this year. I didn't want them to expand this far for the reasons you just said. And um, I, I think I did want them to expand because I, uh, the number I want to reemphasize is 73%. I, I think that would that number surprise would surprise people, but 60 games in baseball is such a tight span that you know it. That's, you know, let's reverse engineer that. Flip a quarter one out of four times. One of those times the Yankees would, in theory, miss the playoffs this season. Now, I do think it's a little different. I know baseball's tricky because if you try harder, you normally do worse in baseball. I do think if you're more focused in general and you're not punting away some games. But I, I did want them to expand to 12 or so. They did go too far with it, and 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 you're right. And I I hadn't even really thought about the three game playoffs, Katie, because I I think in general I was thinking about playoff matchups, and we end up talking about the AL Central a lot on Talking Baseball, and it's uh, I think with the the Indians Aces, you'd probably rather face the Twins if if the Indians are playing their best baseball, but a three game series, especially especially. Yeah, I've I've always liked the way where they do it, where the, the top seed just wins one and the other seed has to win two. Yeah, it's interesting. That'd be a way to give the division winners more of a reason to win the division. Because right now there's really not any reason to win the division, and I think we're going to see that if the Yankees have at least second place locked up, or the Rays have at least second place locked up, they don't care. They're just going to make. They would rather make sure their pitching is in order for the three game set and everyone's healthy, then win the division and maybe get a better seed because you're not even guaranteed to get that much better of a seed or worse than a seed. So I think they've ruined the last two weeks for all the good teams of the season because every top two team, doesn't, ma- doesn't they don't care about the last two weeks of the season anymore as long as they're in. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if you can line up your two best starters and all you need is two good starters for that three-game series, um, I mean, think about a team like, like Texas – right? If the Rangers somehow make the playoffs, they have two top tier, tier pitchers, right? Yeah. They could win that, that series against any team easily. Um, yeah. I mean, a pitching's not everything, but it is a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be weird. I, I think they went too far. I understand why why the players and why them voted on it, but it changes everything. They just, it's, it's, it's just, just all it's, about, Yeah. I would it, say it it's all drastic. about money. Oh, yeah. It's all about money. It's because they wanted to get the most possible postseason revenue. Um, yep. And when you add, I think they're adding something like at least, you know, 14 to 20 games to the postseason inventory. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all just going straight to the, to the league and, to the, and actually, you know, now to the players. Yeah, um, and like I'm saying about extra innings, where they've placated the fan base, and once we see this rule, you you already have me saying, well, just do it, but not in the tenth inning, do it in the twelfth inning, and you're already having me hedge, right? And get there once these expanded playoffs happen, and something wild happens in the first two rounds, I guarantee even us maybe sitting here and being like, oh, that was kind of fun, do it again, and that's how they inch you in and they keep it going. That's why the players said no to a lot of this right away. Because they know this is going to happen, so I'm weary. I think it was bad to even do it. I wonder if uh, I'm just trying to think about a team getting funky with some strategy. Like, could the Yankees, you know, save Garrett Cole for potentially Game Two or Game Three? Like, if you win Game One, you could almost keep Cole in the bag. I don't know. I'll be interested to see if a team gets funky with a strategy. It like depends that. on the scheduling. Like, if Cole goes Game One. You're gonna do. We're gonna do. Yeah, but I know. I know. If Cole goes game one and they win the first two, can he start game one of the next series? I'm assuming they're three consecutive, but I am I too. Know. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. But you're gonna you're gonna want to just have first or second locked up so you can get your pitching in order. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think you're gonna see any first and second place teams fighting for first place. It'll be interesting. I I think there's a very good chance you're right. I think they will pick health over final record. We've seen the Yanks do that the past couple years for sure. Um, But they've also kind of been pretty settled in their spot. Like the Red Sox ran away. The Yanks ran away last year that, I don't know, if the Yanks and Rays are fighting for the division and that's the difference between, you know, playing the White Sox or the Indians in the first round, I think you might see a little bit of hustle. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think that there there are some good things. That obviously, at the bottom of the uh, of the of the um, of the race, you're gonna. I think it's gonna be a little bit more intense because there are so many more opportunities to to get that. You know, you don't even have to be, be even first or second place in your division to make the playoffs. You know, they're yeah. taking the uh, whatever yeah. it is the, the next two best teams. So I think that there's gonna be obviously everyone's gonna feel like they're in the playoffs, and we saw that with the odds that I that I showed um, earlier. That you know, everyone thinks they have a chance. Yeah. Um, so it, it does have some good um, qualities to it, and I think in this season, where I think it it is good for this season because if if say like your star player gets COVID and he's out, you know, for three weeks, right? But you're still an amazing team when he comes back. Yeah. This gives you the chance to make the playoffs and then be fine in the playoffs. Like, what if if Aaron Judge and Stanton, you know, suddenly they get COVID and they're out for three weeks? But then they're back for the second half of the season, whereas without the expanded playoffs, the Yankees might not have enough time to make it up, make it, make it up, and you know get one of the uh, one of the ten spots. But now that there's sixteen spots, um, there's true. a better chance for them to be able to kind of prove how good they really are. That's true. Yeah. All right. When you make it sound like that, it's good. If the Yankees can get benefited from it, that's great. Too much logic at the end. Yeah. Well, that was a great first episode of Sharp Stats. I hope the season continues and we can keep these up.
I feel smarter right. already. It's good to be back. You had there was that one scary line about Paxton at the start. I forget what it was. Eighty-eight. Oh yeah, it was that first fastball stat, and I was like, Katie. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on. But then it. But his then it was fastest. Good his fastest pitch in the game this season <laughs> was slower than eighty-eight yeah. percent of his fastballs last season. That's scary. And and we'll end it on the scary note. And my Katie Sharp tweet I sent out before we recorded this, Brian Hoke just liked. So you know he's a Sharp Stat fan. So oh yeah, watch out for that in the next MLB article you read. All right, that about wraps this one up. Thank you guys for tuning in. Always tweet at Katie and tell her she did a fantastic job. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Oh, tell them, Grams. Go Yankees.